0: Welcome to Screening Room with Chet and D. I'm Chet. I'm D.
1: I'm a boomer.
0: And I'm a millennial, and we both love classic movies. Yeah,
1: and we think you're going to love them too if you give them a chance, which is where we come in.
0: We try to teach you about history, about people,
1: old movies, what makes them great, why they're worth watching. You know what you can learn from them. You know because you, you can learn a whole lot from an old movie.
0: And uh, we think uh, that's what we're going to do to better serve you
1: yeah so let's get into it
0: let's get into it so we're doing something different we're trying to zoom trying to zoom. so we're going to try to be even quicker so we're going to be quick chet and d and this is a screening (laughs) we're screening us so we're going to screen one of chet's favorite movies which is maybe an oxymoron
1: Mm -hmm. hold hold, on you gotta you got a sponsorship first
0: oh i do oh do you hear that they actually it's a it's a living thing
1: it's a living thing a living sponsor we've got sponsors the actual living sponsors are with us right there and there they are
0: wilford brimley diabetes and memo yeah we'll do the natural sometime yeah so i bottle feed kittens for keller's cats but my facebook page instagram page is called this old cat house I battle feed these guys every couple of hours they have two other siblings but they suckle so you can follow me to know what the heck that means that I have to separate them but if you hear them that's that and we might need them to give us more content so Mm
1: -hmm. kittens yeah so if people say to you hey kittens suck well it's true
0: do you know who didn't think kittens suck who did a couple of cast members which we'll talk about later
1: oh that's right okay well let's let's talk about cast
0: members for what movie
1: The verdict. verdict, 1982.
0: 1982?
1: The verdict. 10 years
0: before I was born babies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So definitely old enough to qualify. But I remember this movie because it came out when I was in college. I actually saw it in a theater. One of the few movies that we talk about that I saw in a theater when it was first released.
0: What's a theater?
1: It's a it's a big room where you sit with other people. I
0: only say that because it's 2021 and uh, it's been how many at least a year.
1: I think it's been five years. I think it's been about five years since the uh, pandemic began.
0: Five. It feels like that. Uh huh. All right. So, do you want to get into the plot before we dive into? Okay, well,
1: let's do the cast first. Let's talk about the cast. Who's um, in? Who's in this? You hey.
0: had. Hold on, people. He has this whole. He has a whole list oh, right out, now. An and number one, number one you that you wanted to talk about. The plot. Was plot. And I have. I have the power to negotiate or to. I am the one that tells us what order things are going in, and two, two is cast.
1: Okay, plot, plot. All right. Yeah. Okay. So what happens is uh, Paul Newman is is an attorney. We see him at the very beginning of the movie, and we can tell immediately that he's an alcoholic and he's down on his luck, attorney, and he's an ambulance chaser. He's a a, you know Selena
0: and Barnes.
1: Yeah, that kind of a guy. Only his clients are often dead. And he actually hangs out at funeral parlors, pretending that he knew the person that died and handing out his business cards. It's really pathetic. He does it a couple of times. The second time he gets thrown out and he's so disgusted with himself that he goes out and just gets completely plastered and goes back and trashes his office. And then he's sitting there, passed out, drunk on the floor. And then his friend Mickey comes in. Well, he's
0: thrown papers everywhere filing Sma- cabinet is knocked over
1: yeah and he smashes his his frame diploma and it cuts his uh piece of glass cuts him in the forehead uh, okay so then mickey shows up and mickey is his old friend used to be his partner and uh Mickey says hey what are you doing I gave you this case what are you You aren't even ready for it yet and it turns out that he's got this case there's this woman it's it's set in Boston and she goes to this this huge Catholic hospital and uh, she has a problem she's going to have a c-section and she ends up um, losing oxygen to her brain and now she's in this vegetative state and the family is trying to to sue and the whole reason that Mickey gave him this case he knows that he's Washed up, he knows he's an alcoholic. All he has to do is go to the archdiocese and say, "Hey, we're going to sue you," and then they're going to offer him a big settlement, and he'll get a third of that money, and he'll have enough money to get drunk on for the rest of his life, and that's all he has to do. And so he he gets him up, and then uh, Paul Newman, uh Frank Galvin is the name of the character. He meets with the family. Uh, and you can tell he's just kind of schmoozing them, and says, "Oh yeah, we're gonna, we got a really good case here. I, I'm gonna talk to this uh, doctor, and we're gonna, we, we, we got him really good. Okay. So then, then, he goes and he meets the doctor, this expert witness who's gonna tell him if they used the wrong anesthetic, and then he's gonna take that information, he's gonna go to the archdiocese, but along the way. He goes and he sees the woman who's actually the victim in a, the nursing home where she's hooked up to this ventilator and he's taking pictures of her with a Polaroid and like for the first time he actually sees her and he can just tell it's this moment of revelation. It's like, holy crap, this is a real human being. Her life has been taken away and I'm just treating this like I'm, I want this check out of it and you can just see it's like, oh my gosh, this is my chance, I can fix my life. And so he goes to the archdiocese, he meets with the bishop, and it's like he's having this confession with the bishop and he just says, uh, you know, I came here to take your money, but I can't take your money. I can't. I can't. I have to take this case to trial. I have to do it for her. And so then he said he just turns down the offer. He says, uh, we're not we're not taking your your out of court settlement. We're going to go to court with it. And then he does this without even telling the, the sister and brother in law of the victim. And they're really mad at him. Uh, So now the pressure is on him and then uh, but he's real excited because he meets with the doctor and the doctor says, oh, yeah, this is a great case. Uh, they gave her the wrong anesthetic you can tell she threw up in her mask that's why she uh, had the, the the brain damage and so he's all excited and then he goes to the bar again and then he meets this woman this really uh attractive woman who's hanging out at the bar and he takes her out for a drink and then he sits around talking to her and he talks about how excited he is and it's like oh yeah justice we're gonna and you can just tell he's gonna get back on that horse and he's gonna straighten his life out and all that kind of stuff and then what happens is, well, what happens next? So then, then he finds out, um, We oh, then we meet the attorney for the archdiocese. And this is a huge law firm. And it's run by this guy named Concannon who's played by James Mason, of all people. Um, and uh, we figure out that he's, he's really up against it because this is a high-priced uh, uh, firm. And then uh, suddenly, uh, his expert witness disappears on him. He's 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 supposed to go have this meeting with the expert witness to get his deposition uh, before they go to court and he's gone he's taken off he's out of the country can't be reached he's on vacation mysteriously. and then it's like, oh my gosh! All of a sudden, my case is falling apart, and I've got all this pressure on me. And then he goes to and 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 oh, and then meanwhile, meanwhile, the woman has this conversation with Mickey. And then Mickey tells the woman named Laura about uh, uh, Frank's backstory. backstory. And the backstory is that Frank was this really hotshot lawyer, fresh out of law school, graduates near the top of his class. You know, up and coming career. He works with Mickey for a few years, and then he joins this great big firm, one of the highest. Powered firms in the city. And he marries the daughter of the guy who runs the firm and everything's looking up. But then it turns out that somebody in the firm decides he needs a little extra help with the case. So they bribe a juror and they get caught. And Frank wanted to tell the truth about it. But the juror uh, the the firm ends up pinning the whole thing on Frank and he almost gets disbarred. And his wife divorces, and he goes crashing, and you figure out, oh, that's where he had his big downfall. And that's when he became an alcoholic. And that's when he became an ambulance chaser and all that kind of stuff and so you find out that oh okay this is why everything is right on this big case and so uh he tells laura and laura is like oh why do you want you want me to feel sorry for her, uh for you and then he's you know he's really hyperventilating. oh 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 and then they call him they have to get a replacement uh expert witness and the uh, replacement expert witness isn't much of an expert and he's a old retired doctor and he's black also and they know he's not going to have the same credibility and so they're just like oh we're sunk we're out of luck and so he tries to to go call back the firm and say hey we'll take that offer and it's like no no no, you can't can't have have that offer anymore anymore. so So then it's all over over. and so so they're they're gonna have to go to court and they're going to court and everything is just you know falling all apart uh oh but but spoiler alert okay 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 if if you haven't seen this movie yet you should stop right now okay because this is like like most courtroom dramas it's got a couple of big big surprises okay they're they're really big they're really important and they're really well done okay so and you'll like the movie better if you watch it the first time not knowing what's going on okay so stop right now and then go watch the movie okay and then come back because you're going to want to watch this movie more than once because you'll appreciate it even more the second time after you know all the surprises, okay? So bye, go see the movie. Get and... out of here. Okay, are you back? All right, so uh, so he finds out everybody's testifying except uh, this one nurse who was in the operating room. So some reason, she refuses to have testifying he figures out oh it's because she's friends with the other nurse who was admitting her and the whole question in this case is do they make a mistake when they asked her when she first came in how long ago she had eaten because if she had eaten within an hour which seems to be the case then they shouldn't have given her that anesthetic that's why she threw up that's why she got the brain damage yada 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 okay so then he figures out that there's this nurse that quit being a nurse and went off to live in new york he actually we won't tell you how he does it but anyway he finds it and brings her in to testify and then it's that moment that uh, okay that's enough all right so let's talk about the cast
0: all right let's talk about the cast you mentioned paul newman paul newman um let's see and we got james mason you talked about him which Mm -hmm. i think of perry mason when i think of lawyer yeah Um, Jack Warden we talked about Jack Warden in our very first podcast oh yeah
1: and Brian's song Brian's
0: song Mm -hmm. um Milo Milo O'Shea
1: oh plays the judge the crooked judge
0: wonderful I mean everybody that would talk about this movie is obviously going to talk about his
1: dark Mm -hmm.
0: thick black eyebrows and white hair. Yep. Um Charlotte Rampling. Uh She
1: plays Laura. She's so good in this. She's yeah. a
0: mysterious woman and people today would know her from Red Sparrow. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. She runs the 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 Russian spy school for. Yes. Yeah. Um so the mm-hmm. bishop
0: is played by Edward Benz. If you mm-hmm. catch any um little house in the prairie reruns you might see him really? but you also probably seen him from 12 angry men which the director of this movie Sidney also directed lament. yes Sidney
1: yes mm-hmm.
0: um wesley addy
1: oh and jack Warden was He's the doctor towler mm-hmm.
0: um he was in network which sydney lament also de- uh, directed yeah um
1: great director yes great
0: cast uh, and yeah. so yeah what do you want to
1: Paul Newman, this is maybe, I I mean, you're talking about one of the biggest, biggest movie stars of all time, okay? And not just a big star, but one of the big stars who's also a great actor. I mean, a a legitimately great actor. This is one of like nine or 10 nominations he got for best actor. And he doesn't win it this time, even though I think this is his best performance. A lot of people think this is his best performance. Yeah. Um, But he gets ripped off, you know. uh, There's—is there no justice in the world? That's the big question of the Hmm. day. Is there no justice? I think the
0: verdict's still out on that. Yeah, I think, as they say, it
1: is. Uh, And uh, we've said before. Well, anyway, if you don't know who Paul Newman is, uh, I don't know.
0: I think uh, even millennials probably know him. I mean, yeah
1: from the salad dressing he, he, if nothing else From the
0: newman's own salad dressing yeah, yeah
1: it's the same guy
0: which it's... we found out through reading a, a book paul newman alive
1: mm-hmm.
0: that uh he actually used to when he would get a salad in a restaurant he would wash the salads from the dressing and he would he would gift people with his own salad dressing like olive oil and some water and so mm-hmm. then he and a friend um a.e uh hotchner who was a writer um they started a a salad dressing Uh Newman's
1: own I think in in today's parlance we would call him a foodie
0: a foodie yeah
1: foodie he really liked his food he did yeah
0: um so
1: but a fantastic actor a method actor um yeah he he was one
0: of the in the um acting
1: uh yeah the actor's studio went to the actor's Because he
0: wasn't born just like, hey, I want to be an actor.
1: He was born handsome. He wasn't born an actor. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he and- wanted to
0: be good at what he did. He wanted, his father was a businessman and he didn't want to follow that footsteps, mm-hmm. but it's like, if I'm going to do something, I want to be good at it. Yeah. And he was, he's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm good at acting, but I want to be really good at it.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I think that makes us such a great performance too is, uh, I think both of us learned from reading about this is. They had this script, it was based on a novel by a guy named Barry Reed, but they changed the story quite a bit. And then they brought in David Mamet to do a screenplay for it. And a bunch of people looked at the screenplay early on and some other famous actors and they said, yeah, you know, this, this guy, how can you make him a hero? I mean, he is just so... Uh, an alcoholic ambulance chaser who goes around lying to people. It's like, no, we need to we need to dress him up a little bit. We need to make him a little bit more heroic so that the audience will get it. And they just never got any of those projects off the ground. And then finally, Paul Newman sees this part and he says, no, I want it just the way it was written. And Paul Newman, who I, you tell me. Uh, he basically a functioning alcoholic. Yeah, himself, he. Right?
0: I mean, he was known as a functioning alcoholic. So and he would drink twelve. I mean, it was like there. are How many pack, beers in um in a pack? And they would have a Paul Newman Day where he on um, he um graduated um.
1: Oh, from some college in Ohio. Yeah, or? and yeah. they like would have
0: a Paul Newman Day where they would drink twenty four beers in a day because it's like there's an hour. There's a beer for every hour in the day. Yeah. Um
1: yeah. and that's the, the character. He to stay away from Galvin. hard
0: liquor, yeah. but um occasionally he, he went through some things.
1: Well, he had a son who died of an overdose.
0: Yeah, and um yeah. he had a hard time talking about that. He wasn't very public about
1: mm-hmm. his
0: emotions. Um
1: yeah. So if it, if it, it,
0: it took him a while to be able to draw on, like as a method actor, to be able to go through things to be able to do this part,
1: unfortunately. Yeah. And Frank Galvin, again, yeah, you talk about a guy who he, he gets up in the morning and he starts with beer. And then with his meals, he starts drinking whiskey. And then when he's sitting around at night, uh, he's, he's got a drink by his side. I mean, he's just throughout the day. And even though we only see him get just really wasted once, even after he's working on the case, it's, it's like he's just always drinking and like Paul Newman added little parts, like he's he's uh, sprays his breath, and he's always constantly putting drops in his eyes, and that. And apparently that was stuff that Paul Newman brought to the character himself. Um, and you see, he yeah, he's he is so uh, he is such an alcoholic. He can't even it, his first drink of the day. His hands are shaking so much. He's got to lean over and and slurp it off, you know, out of the the shot glass on the table, and. I think one of the things, like like I said, other people looked at this character and just says, how can you make this a hero? And Paul Newman says, no, I I got this guy. Um, And even as I remembered this movie, like when I first, I started telling you about this movie, I said, well, you know, he has a drinking problem. And I think part of it is I even kind of repressed just how low this character is at the beginning of the film. Because it's it's hard, it's uncomfortable to imagine yourself in this guy's shoes. He is really at, at the bottom. And Paul, and Paul Newman just makes this so believable.
0: Well, and like, Lament said that they had it to where people wouldn't like him at the very beginning of the movie, where he's really hard to like. But for me, I was never like, gosh, this man is terrible. I don't know if it's because I had a, a favorable like view of Paul Newman watching it or beforehand, but it's like, you just don't want to see, you, d- you could just tell he'd already been kicked enough to where you didn't yeah. want to not like him. So I wasn't going in like, this is terrible that he's showing up at these funeral homes. I mean, I felt mm-hmm. bad for him because you could just tell it wasn't to where he's like, I just really have no feelings about this. He, I mean, he has to drink to be able to do that too. It's not just yeah. from the past. it's, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this but i have no other place to turn to get to be able to pay for my rent for my office
1: well in the scene where mickey explains what happened in his past i mean that certainly helps us gain more sympathy for him when we realize oh yeah this was a really talented guy and a really idealistic guy um who just he couldn't believe uh he he couldn't believe how how bad the the real world was he couldn't believe how unethical and corrupt people could be and, and it, just, it just it just shattered him, him. And, and his whole, whole life was died. gone and his All whole faith in justice is gone and his faith in himself is gone and he's just um he's just hanging on and and uh, we get That scene, and then we have that that scene. Well, yeah,
0: let's talk about our favorite scene so we can talk more about the other cast members. Well, I'm
1: gonna start with one because I know it's not on your list. He when he goes to the to the bishop, the archdiocese, and he says, you know, I came here to take your money.
0: But I love how he's holding his hand against the briefcase.
1: Yeah, he's he's sitting in the chair. He like
0: can't be vulnerable, like it's hard for him to be vulnerable. So he's like his body language. He's got
1: the briefcase actually like keeping him
0: separate from
1: yeah. And and it's just like you know the the bishop he's a priest and Frank Alvin clearly is a Catholic and we see like the the shot in his office when he's you know passed out on the floor we see there's a crucifix on the wall Um, so we know that he's a practicing Catholic he said oh there's a rosary beside his bed that you picked up on one scene right Um, and he's there he's talking to this bishop and it's it's a confession and it's like if I take your check now. And the guy, they literally hand him the check. And it's it's a really healthy settlement. It's it's every bit as much as they were expecting to get. And it's what Mickey told him to expect. And it's what he told the family to expect. So it's there's nothing disappointed, disappointing in this check at all. And he just says, if I take this, I'll be lost. And the bishop, who's clearly conflicted because... They don't want this to go to trial because it's going to be bad publicity. And the bishop is like, I don't even really want to know what happened in the hospital. I I want to believe that the doctors, it was just an innocent mistake and all that kind of stuff. And so the bishop is like, he's feeling a little guilty too. And it's like, well, I have to, I mean, this guy is basically confessing to me that he has to do the right thing. And yet uh, I don't want him to do this. So anyway, that's a great scene. What are yours?
0: when he's with um, the judge at the conference with the judge um, after their first day of trial okay, and the judge yeah. gives his two cents and we learn that there's like something weird about Boston law, although you found something conflicting with that to where the judge can ask questions.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. In, in the Commonwealth of and Massachusetts. And so you're also yeah. as the
0: audience member, you're furious. Yeah. Um, Cause because the
1: judge actually starts, he interrupts Frank and he starts cross-examining what? the he witness. yells that
0: the doctor. And so and you're also like the black doctor. The
1: expert witness. The, yeah. And mm-hmm.
0: you're like, whose side are you on? Yeah. You know that this is going to influence. Yeah,
1: and anyway, the judge so tried he, to talk him out of, of taking the case to trial in the first place. It's like, why do you want to waste everybody's time? I mean, it's it's oh, come great. on, guys. Can't we figure something out here? <laughs>
0: anyway. Well, and then when Paul Newman uses his finger to say you are a corrupt man without saying you're corrupt. Mm-hmm. Like he's got his number. He's got the judge's number. The judge tries to make it to where, hey, I know you. I know that you um almost got disbarred and you're as bad as I am. And then Paul Newman's like flips the script and Galvin is like, no, we are not cut from the same cloth. I have a,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna, no. I'm not gonna yeah, you're, i'm, I'm use this is not the, the pot um calling the kettle.
1: Pot yeah, pot yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that's the first moment but where he we gets see, so
0: passionate, and you know that he believes this to his bones mm-hmm. that he needs to do this, and it's like, yeah, it'd be easier for me to take the money.
1: Yeah, and this is after another one of my favorite scenes where okay, after they they're 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 going. Uh, the, the doctor who's going to be their expert witness, they, they do the pretrial interview with them and it's just like, no, this is not going good. I can already tell uh, they're, they're not going to take this guy.
0: Hold on. Is this how you feel every time we do a podcast? Yeah. Like that? I'm the doctor and yeah. it's like, oh, my gosh, you're <laughs> no, the Paul no, Newman the doc- in the background. <laughs>
1: no, we're both we're the screwed. doctor. Yeah, we're both the doctor. But no, he, he's listening to this and it's like, no, this isn't going to work. We're going to lose. And then he goes to, to to see Laura, the woman he met, picked up at the bar, uh, who's become his love interest here. And he's just like, he's, he's just devastated. And it's like, we're going to lose. And he goes, D- do you think it's my fault? Do you think it's my fault? And And it's like he's just begging her. And she recognizes right away. It's like, yeah, you want me to tell you, like, it's 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 the night before an assignment's due in school, and you want you want me to call the school and say you're sick and don't have to go in. Well, you know, you have to grow up. You have to deal with this or whatever. And Paul and I'm Newman, like,
0: is she's she still talking to him or is she talking to me? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, no sympathy no sympathy there. It's like, she wants him to be a man and, and own up to this. And she knows he's got to fight through this because he's always caved in before. That's how he got into the situation. And, and and Frank, he he starts to hyperventilate and he just says, no, you can't pressure me. And he has to go in the bathroom literally, and just hide in the bathroom and, and wait to get his breathing back and and all that before he can even bring himself to go to court for the first day afterwards. It's just such a God. It's 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 such a moving moment. You feel so sorry for this guy. You you want him to 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 get himself together, but you don't know if he can. And and it, honestly, there's there's every reason to believe that he can't. It it does doesn't look like he ought to be able to. I mean,
0: but. like what an anxiety like you have the anxiety that he's having throughout this whole movie to where you're in with his ups and downs to where you feel like, okay, it's mm-hmm. going to happen, but we know it's a movie. So something's going to happen to where it's going to go wrong.
1: Yeah. And but my no, gosh,
0: this writer <laughs> takes you on a journey.
1: Yeah. Oof. No. And you're exactly right. It's when, when he, when that judge steps in and starts trying to screw up his case for him in front of everybody that finally he just says, I know what's going on here. The, the, this whole system it's 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 corrupt i've i've faced this before this is what happened to me before and this time i'm not going to take it i'm gonna i'm gonna stick up for myself and i'm gonna fight i don't know if we can win this case or not but i'm not gonna cave in and it, yeah it's just well, and a- you
0: respect it coming from a man like galvin yeah it's like if a man like galvin can stand up because he could easily, it's like, well, I'm an alcoholic, so nobody's going to respect me. I don't have to respect myself. But it's like, if he's going to rise to being back to being an idealist and sticking it to the man, you kind of feel like you want to be like Galvin. Yeah. More than the judge. And it's like, it's kind of like a, with religion to where um, Jesus would want to hang out with people like Galvin more than he would a judge. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. You know? Yeah. Okay, another favorite scene. Um, the, it, when, when Frank and Laura have their first date, when they go to the, out to eat together, and uh, Frank, this is the first time, be- before they ever take the, the case to trial, that he's starting to feel it. And he's just sitting there, and he's talking about how this works. And and he's remembering way back when to when he was a good lawyer yeah. and was actually in a courtroom and... Um, talking to a jury and he just it's like there's this thing that happens when you know the jury wants to believe they want to believe they want to have justice and he's going on and it is a beautiful shot they've got um uh, two shots of him in profile looking at each other and then they show a close-up of him where he's just kind of looking off in the distance and then they show close-ups of her and um she is so good in this movie and and she does everything so subtly you just see this when he says he wants to do the right thing and it you can just see in her face it just dawns on her for the first time my god this guy really is an idealist he he really he really does want to do this for the right reasons i really this isn't just some drunk Lawyer who picked me up in a bar who's looking for a good time, there's something to this guy. And she. Well, I think
0: that's something with people who have like um, alcoholism is we just really are very dismissive of that they're people that we can just maybe not value their opinion or that they have hopes and dreams. And well, you might dismiss that they're an alcoholic because they don't have their hopes and dreams happen. But there are just so many different complicated reasons for why people have addiction problems. But anyway, it doesn't yeah. mean you can't respect them. But it's I I actually really like that this movie kind of makes it to where you can't just judge somebody by the
1: yeah we're, we're what's all in their hand and, redeemable. Yeah. I mean what's 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 uh, what's your Brian
0: Stevenson, my favorite lawyer ever
1: brian stevenson equal justice initiative yeah, right
0: you're more yeah. than the worst things we've ever done
1: yeah like yeah. something we're, like that we're all yeah we're all we're, we're all more redeemable than, we're all um yeah, you know they, we're, we're all still, still human. human there's still, there's still something inside, inside of us as long as we're still breathing there's a chance that we can be better than we
0: and we just, are he just happens to be an alcoholic
1: yeah you know and, and you see in her face when he's talking it's like oh this guy has potential and you also see you kind of see the wheels turning in her head like he's starting to say some things to me and we know nothing about her. She just showed up in this bar all of a sudden. We know nothing about her past. She hasn't told us anything. Uh, She seems to be educated. She seems to be sophisticated. She's attractive. We see that, but we don't know where she came from or whatever. We just get this idea from looking at her face that there's something going on there like He's speaking to her, too. We don't know what her backstory is, but there's something. And then we find out later, here's the big spoiler. She was hired by Concanon's firm. She worked for uh, uh, in a different city for this, this same firm. And she wanted to move here. She got divorced. She wanted to move to Boston. And this was her first job, was to spy on Frank Galvin. So she was a plant there. And he finds out that one of your favorite scenes.
0: Yeah, my favorite. Well, he's just, he loved her. He trusted her. And it wasn't just, he wanted to win this case. It was like, there was more at stake on this case than just winning a case. It was, like you said, justice, like his faith in himself and in the, the church was riding on this. Mm-hmm. And so that was more than... His romantic feelings about her but he let her in because clearly he doesn't let people in mm-hmm. like he's made it to where he's secluded himself and mickey's the only his only family that we know uh-huh. and she had no loyalty i mean there's a part about loyalty where the nurse won't testify
1: uh, yeah and because she she she's protecting
0: be- somebody that was like
1: yeah
0: um had to leave her profession that she loved because she couldn't live with what they made her do yeah and so he when he finds out that laura betrayed him like that and it wasn't just you went behind my it was there was more to it than that kind of like there's more to an alcoholic than being an alcoholic yeah and the whole system
1: has betrayed him again yeah so he's kind kind of punching
0: the system right to where it's like this is like a metaphor for everything And he, so that's why I like it. It's because I don't. I'm against violence. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) well, we didn't even say. We
1: didn't didn't even say. So he finds out. He 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 tricks the 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 operating room nurse into revealing the fact that there was an the admittance nurse, and he nobody could find this this other nurse. He tricks the operating room nurse into revealing the fact that she, the other nurse has moved to New York. So they spend a few days trying to track her down. They finally track her down. He finally c- confronts her and gets her to come back to Boston to testify. And it's while he's in New York that Mickey figures out that lawyer uh, that uh, Laura is working for the other law firm. And he goes to New York and tells Frank. And there's this great scene there too, where they shoot it from oh yeah like across yeah. the street. Uh, way up high and we don't you hear don't know anything what that's said yeah they're just they're just walking down the street together and then you see Frank, Frank stops and, stops, and he, takes he takes a couple steps back. back. It's like in this is when he's hearing and then Laura had not knowing that Mickey has found out, she has also gone to New York to say she needs to meet with Frank to talk to him when she's still spying. Well, we don't know if she's still spying on him or if she's decided that she's going to confess to him but she doesn't have a chance to confess he meets her in the bar and just these great looks between them this look of betrayal and this look of guilt on her face and then he just goes up and he slaps her across the face and that's the last they ever speak
0: yeah he's like do you you realize what you've done it's not that you hurt me you hurt more than me in the process of this um but we should take a quick break because I need to do a kitten feeding and we're running low on the uh, zoom minutes. All right. We'll be back to talk about faith and guilt. Okay. Well, welcome back. How was your break?
1: Uh, My break was, was great.
0: Did you have product X? I had product X.
1: Yeah. Oh, we should say too. In addition to the, you know, this old cat house uh we're we're sponsored by product x
0: i i cannot stop talking about it people tell me to shut up
1: it's changed my life i no i have
0: never seen you look you've never looked better yeah never been better i mean you've been terrible but this Yeah,
1: yeah it's not just the video it's product x i take it every day uh First thing in the morning, like uh, b- before I my workout, uh, and, and before
0: ju- your two glasses of water, yeah,
1: yeah. And um, the best part about it too is is it's recyclable.
0: Like, and does it break down? Like, it, it's compost
1: compostable. Compo- yeah, it's compostable, and uh, it's also uh, it's uh, it fits in a shoebox. And uh, you can you can take it with you on... On, on,
0: a, on a flight? You can take it on a plane? You can
1: take it on a flight as long as you have it in a cage.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um, so anyway, yeah.
0: Oh, so we have a code, uh, Screening Room with Chat and D. Uh, uh, product X slash Screening Room with Chat and, Chat and D and you can get like 100% off.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: All right, so in all seriousness, we really appreciate, like we know this sound's not great quality But we really appreciate your taking the time to even listen to this at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't really like hearing ourselves talk, but we are passionate about what we're talking about. So we really appreciate that you even include us in how you're spending your day.
1: Thank you for letting us into your ears.
0: (laughs) Um, But so we need to talk about faith and guilt.
1: Yeah, Uh, well, the last the last scene of it, it, and the the last scene of this movie the climax not the very last scene but the climactic scene in this movie frank galvin's summation to the jury is uh, it's just a a few minutes long it is maybe my you know favorite 5 minutes of screen time if you were to ask me you know just my favorite all time few minutes one scene of a movie this would be really close to the top when he sums up to the jury because right before that okay we, we had the the uh uh admittance nurse who, who comes in and she says, uh, no, she, she had eaten an hour before she, the, the victim had it, eaten an hour before she came in. And then this throws the, the defense for a loop and Kincannon looks over at, at the, the doctor and he says, you know, like, what's, what's going on here? And the doctor just, you know, shakes his head like he has no idea what's going on. So Kincannon gets up and he cross it. And then it turns out that they had told this admittance nurse to change the form to make it look like she had told her that she had eaten nine hours before. And then the admittance nurse has this big breakdown and she says, no, they may be changing. And I made a photocopy and I've got it right here. Okay, and then they object because you can't admit a photocopy in as evidence. And then the judge goes along with that. And the judge says, yeah, furthermore, since she's a rebuttal witness and all she's talking about is this photocopy, you he points to the jury and he says, you need to completely disregard everything that she said. It's all over. It's, you know, just pretend you never heard any of this. And it's, that sets up the closing argument where Frank Galvin, he's back to where he was earlier in the film, where he's going to put his, his faith in the jury. And he says to them, he's in the, he starts with this great line that, uh, that he says, you know, my religion, they say, act as if you have faith. Faith will be given to you. And then he goes on to talk to them about how um, they get to choose. They're the law. They get to decide what justice is. And if they actually believe in justice, they are the ones that make justice by acting on it. And this is so crucial because, I mean, in the Catholic faith, they're known for Lots and lots of guilt. Okay, because you have to go through this process of a confession, and you actually say, and I neither one of us was was raised Catholic, um, and so I can only imagine what that's like. Um, you know, once a week or once a month or however often, you actually sit down and you have to go through item by item and, and confess individual sins, and then have a priest tell you what you're supposed to do to make it right. And so you you can just imagine this how how palpable that is to feel the guilt but then also to be given a solution that says well you need to go out and do these things and make it right and see i was raised as a as a lutheran and one of the big differences between lutherans and catholics is lutherans believe that if you just have faith you're going to be forgiven and and even though lutherans do confession you, you you do it in mass you go to church and you stand up at church and everybody just recites these words it's like oh yeah i believe i'm a poor miserable sinner and yes i believe i i i should go to hell but i have faith and so it's all good and nobody says you have to go out and do anything to actually get right with god again and i think and it's not this isn't about which which faith is right or wrong it's 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 about what that does to you as a human being and what frank is basically saying is i mean frank's great sin what he feels guilty for is not because he was he was corrupt his guilt is that he sold out he joined a law firm that was corrupt and then when his career looked like it was about to end he lost his faith he didn't believe in himself he didn't believe enough in God. He didn't believe enough in justice. And he allowed himself to become this small person who was willing to just play the game. And he is it's like he's gone to confession in his own heart and said, if I want to have faith, if I want to be redeemed, I have to take action. I mean, that's what he does when he's in in the bishop's office, and he says, I can't take a check. I'll be lost. I have to act on faith and take this case to trial. And that's what he says to the jury. It's you have to, you can't just have faith that justice exists. You can't just ask God for faith, and you can't just ask God for justice. If you believe there is justice, you have to act, you have to bring it into existence. And that, oh my God, that's such a, that just floored me when he made it. It's such a beautiful, it's a short summation. It's a beautiful speech. And Paul Newman just does it exquisitely. Um, like I said, it's, it's one of my favorite movies.
0: Well, I'm a shot from being, starting out far back and going in. And they, we learned from hearing the director's cut that um, they actually built a set for the... Yeah,
1: yeah. The they modeled it on the, courtroom, the actual courtroom. Because
0: he needed to be able to have the scene. It would just wouldn't work
1: yeah, in an they, actual
0: courtroom. But um, yeah, that was a great decision there. Um, but that that's... I mean, with this movie too, it's to where we look to people that... A respectable, like a judge, a doctor, but in this case, both of the doctor and the judge are not people you should look up to yeah. or admire or revere as having the authority on trust. Yeah. Um. Because the doctor, as when he's in, like when James Mason is tr- like having a run through of a, a mock trial, um, the doctor is just very calm he does never he never shows he's had multiple times he's had four Four years years. we learned to have guilt to Mm -hmm. feel bad Mm -hmm. and he doesn't show any sort of like i didn't yeah he
1: yeah he's absolved himself yeah it's it's like he he doesn't even recognize the guilt that he should feel
0: well right i mean it's just like galvin for his if he did or didn't bribe a a jury member he is drinking himself to death over everything about that and then also probably i mean we don't know enough about yalvin's life but he's feels extreme guilt like you said about losing faith in himself losing faith in the system yeah and this doctor shows no loss of anything
1: yeah I mean, it's is, just is, like nothing
0: ever happened yeah and i think that's like when he goes to take a picture of the woman he's seeing her as just another but then he actually sees her and that's what we do in everyday life is we just look over we just look past people and we just act like the doctor where things are disposable it's what serves me yeah um we just don't see people as human well, anymore. It,
1: it, it, yeah, and we get Frank, n- we
0: become numb. I mean, how many people did we lose this year?
1: Yeah. or
0: la- even last last year to this virus. Yeah. And it's we're numb to it.
1: Yeah. And yeah, it, uh, that's a great point. I mean, it's at that moment Frank looks at her and, and I mean part of what he's realizing is I have a f- I'm supposed to have faith, and my faith is supposed to inspire me to to stand up for people like her. I mean, you can't get more helpless than someone who is comatose because someone didn't treat her properly in the hospital. Well,
0: and she's not going to know the difference as they say, like the, like she's not going to be able to walk out of there. Yeah. So what, what, why would he have to do it? Why would he have to do the right thing?
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's between him and himself. It's between him and God.
0: Well, and you can tell he was like, I wish I had never taken this case, even though this is the case that's going to save his, his faith in humanity, like mm-hmm. this case that was about to break him.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, going to save about, him. Yeah.
0: But um, he, I'm like, we've been in situations to where it's like, I don't want to have to say something. And like, if you see an injustice, it's just like, it would have just been better and easier if I didn't have to speak up. Yeah. Um, so he kind of, when he saw after he took the pictures and they were developing in that great shot when the camera's on the,
1: th- yeah, I mean, the I know millennials know yeah. what
0: it is both, like I know that they, cause we have, we can buy them now.
1: Yeah, it's a Polaroid. A so Polaroid, yeah, yeah. People it actually buy the pol- spits out it, the print and, and you, and it you shows watch it develop, it develop.
0: develop. Um, in real you can, time. You can tell he wished he hadn't noticed that. Yeah. Cause well, this it, is about to make his life, his job harder.
1: Well, and I think that's one of the great messages is that f- faith is hard. Yeah. It's so much easier not to have faith. I mean, you don't have guilt if you don't have faith. I mean, they, they weigh against each other. Kincanon doesn't really feel guilty about all the corrupt things that his law firm is doing because he doesn't really have faith in justice. He just has faith in winning and making money.
0: Well, and that's another thing that they make a big point of is that it's just Mickey and Galvin versus entire city of Boston that you got, well, not the entire city, but people of power in Boston Yeah, and the law firm that has at least 15 people at their disposal. And it shows you that people, a number of people are capable of going with the wrong thing. Yeah. And it could be it's where you're in the minority mm-hmm. of and that can make you feel like oh, what i don't i were swimming upstream here why even try yeah and it's where you know that you have to do it even though it's really hard to mm-hmm. be able to sleep at night and to be able to maybe tell somebody okay yeah
1: it would be yeah it would be so much easier just <laughs> not to believe not to believe that you are called to do something better that it would be so much easier easier not to have any kind of faith that says you're supposed to care about what happens to to powerless people. But once you take that on, you you take on the responsibility and then you take on the guilt if you can't live up to it. And it would be so much easier, like everybody else in the movie, all these other characters and like most of the people, people, let's face face it, most of us, most of of the time, time, if we we either don't have have any faith or we just switch it off because we know it's gonna ask us to do difficult, uncomfortable things. And because Frank can't switch it off, he has to take all the guilt, which is why he hates himself at the beginning of the film. But when you actually decide, I'm, I'm broken down and I'm beaten, but I remember that if I want to really actually have faith, I have to act on it, even though I'm not sure it's going to do any good. That's what real faith is, is when he finally gets to that point where he has no other choice but to say, I, this by all measures, this shouldn't work, but I'm going to try to do the right thing anyway. That's when he's redeemed. That is his, That's his moment of redemption and um so few people actually experience that because it's so much easier just to avoid it in the first place
0: well and what's so another beautiful thing about this movie is that it's not just frank that's going to need redemption and if laura wouldn't have come into frank's life so it's kind of i mean i don't mean to throw out ironic but the like person like if she wouldn't have met him, so he ha- she had to meet him because she was doing something that was bad, right? Mm-hmm. That would make any, a person feel guilty. Like this is an honest James Bond thing to where the person that you're paid to sleep with a spot to spy, mm-hmm. but then you actually feel guilty about, it's not the act that you're like of trying to seduce somebody. It's like, okay. Yeah, well, anyway, had- but like, if she wouldn't have met him, she would have maybe gone on with what the people around her were doing because she didn't see a way out. Yeah. And she's showing, or he shows her.
1: Well, and Cannon actually hints at when he's, okay, we have an, another great scene where Cannon and we, and, and of course it's it's this wonderful reveal because cannon is in his office and it, we, the camera is following him and we don't know who he's talking to and he's talking about you know how i know you feel guilty but uh you know this is the way things have to be and he makes an illusion and then we see he's talking to laura and that's the first time we realize oh my gosh she's working for him but he says a couple things in there he says um you know, we have to make this money because the money, that's what pays for this office. That's what pays for the liquor we're drinking. And he says, it pays for the pro bono work that we do for the poor. Yeah, And it pays for the kind of law that you want to practice. And so the implication is that Laura actually has some idealistic qualities. She doesn't really want to be a ruthless lawyer, but yet she's sold out she said I want to actually be a lawyer that helps people but the only way that I can make it work is to first sell my soul and do this terrible thing just to get the money and then after I have the money then I can do what's what's right which again
0: but then she is Frank is the
1: one that yes well and then she sees yeah, she sees in Frank. No, 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 no. That's not faith. And that's not morality. That's not ethics. That's I'm going to be comfortable first. And then after I'm comfortable, after I'm taken care of, then I'll worry about taking care of other people. And she sees in Frank. And again, when you watch the movie the second time, and Then you see that first scene where they're talking in the restaurant and and Frank's talking about what it is when the jury realizes what justice is and all that kind of stuff and then you look at her face again. It's like, it's dawning on her. I'm making the wrong choice here. I should be but can I actually believe that it can work for Frank, I I mean, is what Frank is is Frank just stupid. Is he Don Quixote here is. Or is there such a thing as faith? If I were to follow his path, could I actually make it work? Well, yeah. So
0: when she was stern with him in the hotel room, she's kind of like, I need you to make this work. So then I can believe that we are redeemable.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, that's that is such a fascinating scene. Yeah. Because uh, like you, you can read that a couple of different ways. But I agree with you. I think that's what she's saying.
0: Well, and it's, like, when she's going through, like, seeing what Frank is, or Galvin is like, it's kind of like when he took the Polaroids, where he kind of wishes he could just go back, nope, life was simpler, when it was just gonna be, I'm gonna get money, get out, drink, she was like, I kind of wish I wouldn't have been stuck with Frank, because I could have gone on to just not feel guilty about what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. like, if it would have been somebody else, she probably wouldn't have felt guilty about it
1: oh yeah um, oh definitely So she
0: probably wishes, it because it like you said it's easier to do the wrong thing than it is to have faith
1: mm-hmm. so you have
0: two people it's not just about frank mm-hmm. um and it has the audience believing that you know w- you can be saved and whether it's religious experience or just if you're feeling like the world's you know yeah. against you
1: I mean, even if the religion is just your belief in in justice, yeah. Y- yourself as as a quality of something that is real and, and and attainable, you know, whether or not that comes from God, you know, that's up for you to decide. I mean, but, it's
0: also like as myself watching it every time. You kind of watch it because you need to still believe it because there's so much going on around us where it's like, <laughs> I do not believe there's justice. Yeah. So you just need to watch it to like have faith in humanity.
1: Yeah. And um, Paul
0: Newman, and then that's what, so thank God for Paul Newman.
1: Yeah. And we're <laughs> taking yeah. that
0: role. Um, mm-hmm. he was snubbed an Oscar. Snubbed. We are yeah. giving him an Oscar for that role. Yeah. No, I agree. That final scene, um, everybody, director, the cinematographer, writer, Paul Newman. Everybody deserves an Oscar for that scene.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and this was nominated for Best Picture. It didn't win that either.
0: No, but um, yeah. so how do you like um, Mason, James Mason and Paul Newman together?
1: Oh, they're uh, James Mason is so great. I mean,
0: I mean, well, we could talk about I joked about how I mean, I don't mean to um, objectify Paul Newman's eyes, but obviously he's a very attractive man. But yeah, you you could you pin that up against a great British accent. That's yeah. really hard to beat.
1: And and Paul Newman, actually, he's 57 years old when he does this. And, you know, most people at 57, uh, you know, aren't much to look at. Um, huh. Let's be honest about that. But, no, but Paul I think Newman never- still looks great, but he does, like, he lets his... I love the fact that Paul Newman doesn't get a, a good haircut for this. You I actually tell.
0: really like him with the longer hair.
1: Well, it's just, but it's just a little, it's a little shaggy. It's yeah. like, you could tell it's like, it, there's nothing wrong with the hairstyle. It's just like, you know, you, you really should go to the barber a, a little more frequently just because, you know, it's just kind of, you, you're letting yourself go to seed. But anyway, back to James Mason one of the greatest voices that you will ever hear in movies uh and we love it yeah, in i'm a, sorry
0: i don't have a female version of james mason you're stuck with my nasally voice
1: yeah well it's uh i won't try to do my james mason here but it's like you 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 want to conjure a, 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 a an erudite british I don't know if that's an Oxford accent or what, but it's just... He
0: went to Cambridge.
1: Cambridge, okay. Um, But it's just beautiful. Uh, And he can be so sinister. Um, I mean, he's done... He did hundreds of movies, um, but he's at his best when he's being sinister. I mean, between this movie and North by Northwest, another one of our favorites where he is this villain and, but he's just so understated and so confident. And so uh, it's like his blood pressure is barely registered. And he does so little with, you know, just kind of a every once in a while a surprise gesture with his eyes or whatever, but the voice is just so mellifluous and so confident that you just really get the impression that you could never best this guy. I no, mean,
0: I mean, because the judge is charmed with him. His whole law firm just like eats up every word. And he yeah. makes that doctor feel small. The doctor, yeah. not the one that uh, the witness for Paul Newman's character, but the doctor that's on trial. On trial,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And you can tell that that doctor's confident.
1: Yeah. and But that he can make him feel... But, yes,
0: he's a putz but yeah. um, James Mason can make him feel small. Uh-huh. Without like he can be condescending without you even realizing it. It's just like um but speaking of uh, accents, obviously it's also really great. Like if you're watching a movie, you need to appreciate when they pay attention to small details like having Boston accents and Irish accents and Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, and you hear some great ones in here. Yeah. And like the judge actually was Irish um was famous on the Irish stage he did some
0: West Wing episodes where he played a judge as well um
1: yeah and they have a few like the apparently the nurse that who did the admittance room nurse who who has the great testimony at the end was not um from Boston or Irish but was just great at doing accents and always liked to do them um and she's fantastic in that role to somebody that I I can't you could call up her name on imdb but uh i can't even remember what her name is and she didn't do uh a whole lot of other um oh what's her name
0: ah let's see she plays
1: caitlin um
0: oh Lindsay krause
1: yeah 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 that's not an irish name um anyway she's fantastic um there are several actors in here who are not not real well known and even uh we should talk about um um laura we should talk a little bit about her charlotte yeah charlotte rampling she is fantastic also
0: well she didn't have many lines and she was fantastic
1: yeah so it's 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 just her face uh just the expressions on her face and Yes, they wanted her to be mysterious. You don't know exactly what's going on with her. And the, boy, they succeeded with that.
0: Yeah, see, um, if I'm really quiet on here, it's just because I'm being mysterious.
1: Yeah, um, And but she did a lot of roles that were, um, she was one of those actresses who didn't didn't really care about trying to be famous. She didn't want to make it big in Hollywood. She only took roles that she was really, and she's still acting. As far as I know, at least we saw that interview with her like from 2016, she got nominated for an Oscar when she was 75 um, for um, uh, uh, 45 hours, 45 days. I, I didn't see the movie. Not, okay, the, so. not
0: the Red Sparrow.
1: Yeah, but she's in Red Sparrow too. Um, so anyway, she's had a really long career, but she was really, really picky about the roles that she that she played. Um
0: Paul Newman was too. Somebody who wasn't, we'll go back to Charlotte. Uh James Mason was not because he, he just wanted, wanted the money. money. <laughs> yeah. So he's like the lawyer, I guess. But yeah. so you have that animal print and paw prints behind you. Um so we learned that James Mason wrote like a book about cats.
1: Yeah, he wrote a cat. He needed
0: money, and he had like a dozen cats, I mean. We had this little cat house, you know what it's like to have many cats in there. But, um, and then also Charlotte has two cats.
1: Oh, I did not know that. Yes, you okay. did. I forgot that.
0: A Maine Coon and an alley cat.
1: I do remember that now. Yeah, Yes.
0: yeah. Okay, but anyway, back to Charlotte, um, being picky about her roles. So she was um, like, she lives in Paris and the UK.
1: Yeah, and never wanted to come to Hollywood. And so, uh, yeah. I,
0: I mean, with the architecture there, I would not either. Oh, sure. James Mason could have been an architecture. He, that's what he was supposed to be.
1: Oh yeah, that's the, that, oh, I-
0: So I, like the I whole like that. George Costanza, he actually, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and what did you learn about Jack Warden? But uh, he had his, his- Um, He
0: was, uh, let's see, he was a heavyweight, uh, like a middleweight. No, weight. a
1: middleweight, a boxer. He was like a boxer, Like at 17,
0: yeah, yeah stick him up. Um yeah. But he was, all, he's a veteran and so is paul newman um but james mason sorry I'm, I'm not objector. trying to like just yeah. like bring him down <laughs> <laughs> but he what is it that he a what conscientious call, yes, objector. objector yeah
1: um which is i'm sorry because
0: ob- i actually really like him as an actor so i don't yeah. mean to, i learned this stuff don't shoot the messenger
1: yeah there were not not a whole lot of conscientious objectors in England in 1941 but he was he was wanted. I guess his family disowned him um, right.
0: they were alienated um, yeah. for a few years yes yeah um
1: uh, and you learned yeah you learned that Paul Newman was uh uh he wasn't a pilot no was, but it was
0: like he, the the missile like I guess he,
1: he dropped the the torpedoes or yeah yeah, maybe operated the radio too, or something like that. Yeah, there was uh, like
0: instances where his pilot was sick, so they were landed somewhere. But there was like th- people in his um cavalry.
1: Always his, oh, his squadron. His
0: squadron, like fifteen people, were killed, and so they yeah. call it like Newman's Luck, where mm-hmm. he had a bunch of, um, just like happens chance that he got some things to go his way.
1: Yeah. Um. And, you know, but and Newman he would was, stay
0: engaged, so he's kind of like galvin just that he's complicated there's just more to him than being a movie star Mm -hmm. um so he would like get he would debate charlton heston about like the nuclear like during the reagan era and nixon mm -hmm, um he would research it but he would have a hard time keeping his cool so charlton heston came off as being very calm and Uh uh-huh um so i think he lost that debate with charlton heston Uh
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> um but and he would uh he would like help other actors that were down on their luck with money mm-hmm. like he wouldn't be like hey here's some money it was like he would just kind of without them realizing that he was looking out for them yeah
1: um well speaking of politics we saw uh, one of his quotes on imdb was that the, yeah. his proudest accomplishment was that he was on uh Richard Dixon's enemies. list. Well, and he
0: would actually camp. Like he would call. He would do phone banking. He would go on. Like he would make stops when he was shooting some movies and do some campaigning. Um, mm-hmm. go door to door. And when he was doing a phone bank, a woman didn't believe that it was actually Paul Newman. <laughs> that was he was that she was talking to. Uh-huh.
1: Well, they they needed Zoom calls. Back yes. Then. Yes. Would've... But
0: anyway, uh, yeah, we just kind of learned that um he was kind of a complex character. Yeah. Um, had a h- hard time having faith in himself as well. Um, yeah. Not in his abilities, but just kind of.
1: <clears throat> yeah, no, doing the right thing. Yeah. And like, yeah, like you said, uh, a, a functioning alcoholic um, who had, yeah. He had a hard time talking and- about
0: what happened. His son's drug overdose. They, um, he had three kids with um, Joanne Woodward. And um, famous actress,
1: yes, uh huh?
0: Agree with his previous marriage, and so he had a lot of kids. But he was also, you know, he didn't know if he wanted to be a dad or a movie star. But it was mm-hmm. pretty apparent that he didn't want to be mm-hmm. the dad role. Yeah. um He, I mean, I think he tried making up for it, but it's hard. Yeah. It's not so simple.
1: If Fascinating. You have all the money guy. in the
0: world, it doesn't mean yeah. that you get it all figured out. Mm-hmm that you, uh, yeah, figure out what it all means. But anyway, um, but so do you think, do you agree with his not picking up the phone call at the end before we, while we wrap up?
1: Okay, well, at the very end. Okay, they act and and originally, I guess the movie was just gonna end with them walking out of the courthouse (laughs) and he sees Laura over across the rotunda. um, And then he looks up again and she's gone. But then they added another scene uh where he is in his office and if for the first time in the whole movie he's drinking a cup of coffee and the phone is ringing and then we see that it's laura and now laura is drunk in her hotel room um trying to call him and she is hoping for her shot at redemption and uh he doesn't pick up the phone
0: well he wants to though yeah he he starts to but then he
1: yeah stops himself
0: but that's i mean that's also kind of
1: um and it's kind of where, like where her when when she wouldn't give him sympathy well he, he knows came he, to her. she
0: needs he's not going to be a help of help to her if he's holding her hand and it's, it's not like, like a tough love situation i think it's more like it's more nuanced than that um or not it's more complex than a tough love uh just like throwing her out to um try to get faith on her own because he could say hey i did this and you remember i was drunk you saw me at my lowest you saw what i did but he knows she has
1: i think it it gets back to that central point where he could he could just he
0: can't do it for the phone
1: and he could be like the priest who hears her confession yeah and he could say i forgive you but that's that wouldn't be enough
0: well he he needs she has to
1: go out and do it she has to actually act on being the person that she wants to be and maybe after she's done that then maybe they can talk um and and again how how, you, you you can't get much more catholic than that
0: well and she wants i mean she wouldn't be it's not just like a she wants to be drunk because but she's feeling guilty so she's to where, like, you don't see James Mason's character drunk.
1: No, he's not guilty at all.
0: So she's, this is the first step in the right direction for her. Not to yeah. be in the drunk part, but the guilt part.
1: Yeah, you start with the guilt. You got the guilt and the confession. That's fine. Now do your penance. And yeah. act as if you have faith. And then you'll have faith. Yep. So. Yeah. That's the verdict.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I hope. What's the weather like where you are?
1: Uh, it's it's raining. Where it's raining
0: here too, huh? Cool. All right. Well, it's almost April.
1: It is well, almost I... April, and we'll we'll try to. It's been a while since we've done one of these. We'll, we'll we'll try to be a little more regular from here on out. Who knows?
0: Once a month is not we'll bad. Our best shot. Yes. All right. Oh, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Not a thing. Or maybe just rate and subscribe
1: oh oh oh
0: what yeah screening room with chet and d
1: yeah yeah
0: thanks for yeah thanks steve
1: okay all right (laughs) we'll see you later bye bye